Welcome inside the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm Justin Quinn here to talk with special guest Brian Kalbrowski of Hoops Hype and USA Today to talk about the NBA draft from a Celtics perspective. For those of you who have been following the Rookie Wire draft coverage and mock drafts, Brian is one of the primary people involved in creating it, along with editor Cody Taylor, and we're happy to have his insight on a critical draft for the for the Boston Celtics. Welcome, Brian. How's it going? I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh I appreciate you having me on. Uh, and also appreciate all the work you do for for Celtics Wire. I mean, it's a it's a great resource, and I think that you know you've really taken the site and run with it. And you know, we're we're glad to have you in the USA Today Sports Media Group family in that sense. Thanks, man. I really like being here. Uh, it's a real blast to be able to do this as a job. So the thing about this draft is no one knows what's going on. I mean, the hiatus has kind of turned everything upside down from like the draft moving, I think it's on its fourth date now. Uh, it looks like it's going to stay on the 18th of November. Um, but could you maybe talk a little bit about how it's making all of our jobs more difficult uh, because of this uncertainty and, you know, the health requirements and all that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think for, for the most part, what we're seeing right now, uh, is just an incredibly different process. Uh, the reason is obvious, and you know, breaking that down is not particularly interesting. But I do think, um, you know, what could be interesting is talking about how the NBA is really, um, you know, circumnavigating this. And uh, you know, I think what's happening right now at the combine is particularly interesting. You know, what they're doing is essentially uh, guys are coming in at different times and uh, you know, taking combine measurements uh, in in team proctored facilities i think it's just uh you know the nba has a representative there the athlete is there the prospect and then so too is a third party it's usually uh like their agent but it, i think it can be a family member as well um and they they run through the drills they take their wingspan they take their height they take their weight you know all that stuff and you know eventually you get you know the combine results but then you know they're it's been spread out over a few weeks essentially uh you know guys are hopping in at different times and you know, hopping in at different locations. I know, you know, Mason Jones had to go to the Mavs facility yesterday and, you know, Cassius Stanley is going to the uh, Lakers facility sometime this week, you know, uh, just across the board. It's, uh, you know, slightly different for everybody. And then, you know, there's also uh, team workouts that are happening now as well. It's the first time that the NBA has allowed uh, teams to actually see these athletes uh, in person. So the combine, even they're not even they're not having team representatives there. It's just the league representative who's essentially the proctor. Um, and you know you see the scores, and I think you can watch the video uh, if you're an NBA team, but you can't you can't get the results uh, or you can't uh, see it in person uh, the same way you were you know to in every other year. Uh, you can have uh, up to ten visits with NBA prospects uh, in person. Uh, I'm not entirely sure why they have it at 10, um, but that also means if you want to have somebody come in twice, that counts as you know a second one of your 10. So let's say wow. you know the Celtics wanted to have uh, Isaiah Stewart come in twice, and uh, that means they only have you know eight other guys they could bring in. You know, I know that we're starting to see those uh, being reported a little bit more often. I know the Cavs had Obi Toppin come through, or maybe they went to visit him in New Jersey. The the reason why we're not going to hear about you know every team's 10. Uh, is because it is a little bit of, you know, weird gamesmanship there, weird strategy where you're kind of showing your hand. Um, if you only have 10 workouts and you use two of them on one guy, you're telegraphing very obviously that you want to use those picks uh, mm. on that guy. So uh, I think that you'll see, you know, maybe some misdirection and some play action. And you'll also see, you know, scenarios where, 
there are guys that they love that don't even that either don't get reported that they met with them uh, and you'll hear about it afterwards or they don't even bring them at all because they don't want to have uh, that that card out there even to risk like if you've got a sleeper i mean you know if the suns last year uh, would have brought cam johnson in uh, it would have been fairly obvious right um and a little bit less surprising when they'd done their pick so uh, you know, in previous years, you've got, you know, 80, 90 guys being able to come through for workouts this year. You've got less than 10. You know, I think the other thing is you're starting to see, you know, players have their second interviews with teams. I know Tyrell Terry has had his second interview with the Phoenix Suns. I know uh, Jay Scrub has had his second interview with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, you know, you hear, you hear some of that. Uh, Caleb Weston, I think, has had two with the Minnesota Timberwolves. These are just kind of anecdotal facts that I do know, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, when you when you get to know these guys over over Zoom, I mean, getting that second callback also is a little bit telegraphing. But you're getting to uh, really expand your market in some ways in terms of how many guys you're actually able to chat with. Uh, I spoke to one team in the lottery uh, that's picking the lottery recently, and they said they've interviewed, I think, over 150 guys in this class already. I mean, they if there's a guy that's been in this draft process, they've they've talked to them for the most part. I mean. Um, you know, you could talk to a prospect, you know, some guys like LaMelo, Tyrese Halliburton, they've only talked to a couple teams because they're trying to kind of maybe force their way into a certain situation, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, you, you could talk to certain players, um, you know, who are like in the 30 to 45 range and they'll say, yeah, I've literally talked to 28 teams, you know, all but two have reached out. And um, that's not, that's not uncommon. Um, that's, that's been happening. And I think a lot of teams are, uh, you know, doing their due diligence, doing their homework. I mean, you you can talk to pretty much every team, you know, every team in the league, and you can talk to them about any player uh, that you could think of that's in this class, and they'll have told you straight up that, you know, whether or not they've talked to them, and the, the answer is usually yes. You know, so I'm able to kind of exchange notes with scouts, and they're able to give me a pretty good feedback in terms of, you know, certain players because they've probably talked to them themselves at this point. So my general feeling about this draft is there's all kinds of potential for some radical movement based on a lot of the popular mock drafts, maybe more so than in any recent season, just because of this lack of information on the part of teams between each other. I mean, people can't zero in, as you said, on you know a particular target um, and, and be noticed in quite the same way, unless they're stupid. So in my mind, that means it's going to be really hard to divine, you know, for people who cover single teams like myself, um, who the Celtics, for example, might be looking at. So I was hoping you could maybe give me some examples of two people, two prospects you could see going for each of the picks, um, the four picks in the first and second round. Um, as well as maybe one prospect who you might have heard about or could see them taking that you think they should really avoid. Is that something we could do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first, I mean, I, I can point to my mock draft even. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me that I want the Celtics to look at is Isaiah Stewart. Um, I think he's a, he's a, he's a somebody who I think would really fit into that culture. Uh, I think he, he's got that Marcus smart bulldog energy, um, you know, I think that he's really pissed off uh, that he's been sliding on mock drafts. He's really pissed off to see uh, guys that he's been beating his whole life be ranked ahead of him uh, in big boards. Uh, 
you know, he knows that there are certain guys who have been, uh, he said, at least in his opinion, ducking him uh, in games that are ranked ahead of him. And he was like, if I got a chance to face them one-on-one uh, in a game, there would not be a question as to who the better player is. I mean, he made it very clear um, in that sense that he, he's confident, man. I mean, he, I think he's, uh, he's somebody who, um, you know, if there were a summer league this year, I would, I would bet money on him winning the summer league MVP because he's coming in pissed off, man. He's coming in ready to play. He's coming in ready to prove some people wrong. And I think that, you know, that's the kind of player that would do well at the Celtics is, you know, I think that with the, with a team that already has so many pieces, you know, I think it's less about drafting, you know, for team need. I think obviously, you know, like every team, the Celtics have some team needs. They could probably use a better backup point guard and, uh, and you know stuff like that but uh, I think you want to draft the best player available and I think Isaiah Stewart at 14 assuming he'll still be there um, it's going to make somebody look really smart one day because you know he was uh, Mr. Gatorade USA considered the best high school uh, prospect in the entire country coming into a season in Washington I think um, you know the 2-3 zone the Washington defense didn't do him any favors uh, mm. they didn't really allow him to shoot very much uh, at the Huskies either I think he fancies himself a little bit more of a shooter I think that uh you know, Washington finished last in the Pac-12. Whether or not that had to do with him directly uh, is to be determined. But, you know, that college choice uh, ended up hurting his draft stock. And I think that, you know, if there was a draft coming, you know, into uh, the season where they were coming, he was coming out of high school, you know, he'd probably be considered a top 10 guy. Um, and I think that's something the Celtics have valued in the past. That's something they saw, uh, you know, a bright spot in with Romeo Langford. Um, so too. What's that? Jalen Brown, too. I mean, that's exactly right. School, his choice of school was just terrible for his game, and his stock, mercifully for us, ended up sliding. I have definitely come around a lot more based on your interview with him uh, and what I've what I've seen um, over the last few few months. I was, you know, immediately out when before I had had a chance to see much of his much of his film with the lack of shooting, but like learning more about his motor, learning, I mean, he's, he's, he really reminds me of Dave Cowens, the way he's just going, going, going all the time on the floor. Um, and if he has that jumper, I mean, even if it's not a great jumper, but even if it's like 33, 34% from three, I, I would be very happy to have a, a- And he's, and he's willing to shoot, right? I think that, you know, that, that, that affects the floor spacing. If you have to guard him or at least put a man within five feet of him, that's going to go a long way. Um, and I think, you know, Isaiah Stewart might not be the best player in this class, but I think he's being misevaluated. Um, I know I was, I completely misinterpreted what he was as a player. Um, he was off my radar. I mean, you know, I think, uh, draft Twitter soured on him. Um, and I think that sometimes you see guys that are looking a little bit through just the lens of, uh, the stats and the output from last season. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's something that I do all the time. I think as a writer, it's very helpful to do that because I can actually use evidence and point to my, you know, stuff in my writing saying he literally shot this percent from within five feet. You can't say anything about that because it's true. You know, I think that in that sense, it's very helpful, but uh, those, those, it's not nothing, you know, that, that matters. And I think, um, you know, like, I don't want to use this comparison because it's not how I feel, but uh, I will say this anecdotally is, you know, you look at the fire that burned in Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, and that's what pushed those guys to be the the greatest players of their generations. Um, and I think that uh, in terms of the fire, like the most fiery prospect in this class, I've interviewed over 30 guys at this point, probably close to 40 now, pushing 40. Uh, Isaiah Stewart had more fire than any of them. 
uh, by far. Uh, a lot of great guys, a lot of confident guys, um, a lot of guys who were very humble as well and maybe didn't want to come off that way. Uh, but in terms of his outward fire, uh, there's a lot of, you know, Draymond Green almost in him too. I think a lot of Marcus Smart, um, you know, I think he, he he fits that he fits that culture. I think he he fits that model of the Jalen Brown, Romeo Langford type, um, who maybe maybe picked the wrong school, maybe had a down year. Uh, and I think in that sense, you know, you've got a lot of reasons to to root for him because uh, I mean, I almost feel almost feel bad that that's what happened. Um, so, you know, I think that's somebody that that I want to highlight uh, for sure. Uh, kind of the rest of it is is interesting because. Um, you know, the scouts that I've talked to, people around the league, no one really expects the Celtics to roster more than one rookie next year. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're going to see draft and stash candidates. And I think uh, in that sense, you know, what the guy that comes to mind for me is Poku. Um, Absolutely. You know, the, the truth of the matter with Poku is, oh, who knows, right? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, who knows? But um, in terms of, when we look back at drafts like this, you know, in the past, or like, oh, the Anthony Bennett bat draft was so bad. Like, well, Rudy Gobert was in it, and so was Giannis. You know, I think that the guy who's most similar to those guys in this class is um, Alexis Pokusevki. Um, I think, you know, the the playmaking and shooting skills for a seven-footer, you know, is is the is the biggest home run spin you could take. Uh, you don't have to roster him next year because he's got he's under contract uh, in Greece. Um, you know he's a Serbian-born big man, but you know playing in uh, you know actually second division Greece, not even first division. It's I like mean, a rec league basically. <laughs> essentially, that's the kind of competition he's played against. But you know his his qualifier games, his Euro basket games. I mean, uh, the U18 Euro Championships. I mean, that wasn't rec league. Euro t- U18 Euro Championships. He put up. Uh, 14.4 points, 10.6 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 5.8 blocks, and two three-pointers per 36 uh, at the, the Euro U18 Euros in, in 2019. Uh, that's not that's not no competition. So 14, 10, 6, 6, and you know, and six blocks. You know, what I'm saying six blocks. Like that's not nothing. You know, that's yep. three and D. That's playmaking. That's all that stuff. So uh. If there's a team that could can afford to swing and, and maybe miss, I mean, I think it's Boston and Philly, really, because uh, they've got the most picks in this class. I think New Orleans, you know, has a ton of picks over the next few years, so New Orleans can count. Uh, the Thunder probably as well. But the Th- I don't think he really fits the Thunder model. Thunder usually value athleticism. You know, you saw that with Russ Brook. You saw that with Hamidi Diallo. You know, they, they value the guys who are ath- athletic, uh, you know, Poku looks like you could probably break him over your knee if you needed to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you put on size, you've got an NBA conditioning, NBA level, uh, strength coach, NBA coaching. I think that's somebody who I think, you know, at the end of the day, if he ended up being the best prospect in this class, um, I don't want egg on my face. I mean, I think he he's one of those guys. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the uh, people that I've talked to as well have predicted the Celtics would pick uh, Leandro Bomaro. Um, definitely you know, the, I've seen a Ar- lot of that yeah the Argentinian uh, guy playing in Barcelona right now I mean uh, six foot seven but he's got experience as a ball handler and pick and roll uh, just last week he put up 10 assists in a game and you know Spain's top league for for Barcelona um, you know I mean uh, he's a draft and stash guy as well probably because he's still got several years on his deal um, uh, with Barcelona but you know, another time that the that that a Barcelona guy or that a Argentinian guy went second round draft and stash uh, was Manu Ginobili. We've had some mm-hmm. success with that in the past. So 
Um, I could I could see uh, I could see the Celtics using a pick on on Leandro Balmora. I think that he's he's somebody who you know has got uh, size and court vision, uh, secondary playmaker, probably the next level. But you know, I think there's actually a decent amount of Gordon Hayward in his game in that sense. I was thinking that as well. What do you think about the other potential draft and stash guy in that general range, Theo Maladon? Is he a bad fit? I don't see him being associated. Is it just because he's not under contract for in the future as many years? And I think I said I saw somewhere he might want to come over and play immediately. Yeah, I think Theo's trying to come over next year. Uh, he's not. He's not under contract at all next year. Okay. Um, so I think that uh, he would probably join Killian Hayes and Danny Abdija. Um, as guys who are trying to actually play in the NBA next season. So I think I think Theo would be a good fit. I mean, he's not – I think Theo is a, is a good point guard. He's gonna he's a point guard that's going to have probably a rotation role in the NBA, and I think that is kind of something that the Celtics, you know, are, are looking for. That In terms of positional need, I think that Theo, uh, you know, could be a backup for, um, you know, Kemba Walker. Uh, I think that that that's a very fair thing. He's got great positional size at six foot five. You know, he's he's had success, uh, you know, in the on the FIBA circuits uh, in the past. I think I think the reason why you're not seeing his name as often um, is is simply simply what we just said, and that he I think he's trying to come over next year. Um, Abdullah and Doy is probably yeah. I I don't see him mocked to uh, Boston as often as I think that he probably should be. Six foot seven with a seven foot two wingspan. So that's the same size as, you know, NBA forwards like Robert Covington and Trevor Ariza. But, you know, he had a 4.7 assist to ratio, assist to uh, turnover ratio right now on his season, uh, you know, in France. Um, he, uh, he shot 44% from three point range in the French league last year. Uh, he was 40% from three uh, in the U20 Euro Championships in 2018. Uh, he's somebody who, I think at the next level will probably be a secondary playmaker, kind of in the same way that I think Leandro Bomara uh, could be, where I think he'll, he'll probably be, they might use him more as a wing than as a tall point guard. But I think in that sense, you know, he offers depth. And I think, you know, he, he's, he's a little bit older. He, he's, uh, he's auto eligible, unlike um, some of the early entry guys we talked about above. You know, I think he's, he's a little bit older. He, qual- he tested the waters of the draft uh, last season, then kind of turned that around with a, a, even a much better season. Uh, he improved a ton, um, but you know his playmaking and his size kind of makes me wonder why he's not being talked about as a first rounder more often. I think he's he's the real deal. Um, I've I've talked to him a little bit on Twitter, um, and he's he's you know a friendly guy, um, really uh, really eager. Um, I think that you know he's he's somebody who uh, you know for a second round pick is exactly what you're looking for. Um, you know I think. Uh, I don't think he gets by the Orlando Magic uh, because Orlando loves wingspan, and he, you know, was at six foot seven with a seven foot two wingspan. I mean, that that fits their exact mold of what they like uh, in future NBA talent is the longest guys possible. That's how they ended up with Mo Bamba. That's how they've ended up with uh, Jonathan Isaac. And I think that you know, in the in the backcourt, that's how they might end up with Abdullah and Doy in the future. Now, you are pretty high on a guy who makes me really nervous. I see the passing, but Nico Mannion, forgive me if I'm screwing up his name, he, he just, everything else about his game makes me nervous. Why Why should I be less nervous? Uh, I don't know if I'd say I'm high on Nico Mannion. Okay. Um, I, I think I'm at 30 in this mock draft that I put out uh, this month, and realistically – 
And he was, you know, a top 10 recruit coming out of high school. Uh, it was uh, somebody who's, who's done very well, uh, you know, on the AAU circuit and, you know, uh, for, you know, Team Italy, uh, you know, on the international circuit. He had the second best assist percentage among all high major freshmen last year. Uh, so that's that's why I think you should believe in him is, you know, he's got good, you know, decent positional size um, and he has really good court vision. I think if you were to rank the guys in terms of court vision and in this class, um, he's got to be up there. You know, he's got to be up there in the top top five, I would say. Uh, the other thing I would say, too, is, you know, Nico Mannion as a freshman, you know, great 30, 31.5 assist percentage, really good. What would he do if he was a senior? You know, if he had played four years in college, I mean, would he have had as good of a career as someone like Peyton Pritchard? I mean, I went to Oregon. I like Peyton Pritchard a lot, but I think that's why I have Nico ahead of someone like Peyton Pritchard is, um, you know, Peyton is closer to a sure thing uh, because, I, you know, you see him have success year over year over year over year over year over year. But, uh, I mean, I'm talking literally that long because Peyton was a four-time state champion in Oregon uh, in high school. And then, you know, took us into the final four immediately uh, freshman year for the Ducks. But I think, you know, if, if Nico had been a senior uh, in college and he had had that much time to develop, come into his body, you know, play uh, condition, you know, continue to improve. I don't think you would have seen the same level of inconsistency by his senior year. I think guys get better. Uh, and that's kind of the thing with him is he's still young. Um, the biggest concern is he was 26% from three-point range against top 100 competition. So uh, in the big games, he, he was not connecting from beyond the arc. Um, and then in February, uh, the entire month of February, he shot less than 40% from two, uh, which is which is really bad for a guard. Um, so listen, I'm not I'm not gonna go to go to war for Nico Mannion um, by any stretch. Uh, I actually do think he's being a little bit underrated though, because I think um, guys that young, you know, you have to evaluate them in that in that sense. And I think that when you look at guys like Cassius Winston. Uh, who played four years, and Peyton Pritchard who played four years. I mean, you do have to wonder then, where is Nico Mannion going to be in four years? So we didn't touch too much on guys that we really should avoid for the Celtics, but I can think of one that kind of touches on another topic I wanted to discuss, which is kind of like a soft trade-up, not one of the more aggressive trade-ups. But some people are floating the idea that instead of trying to push all the chips into the pile – Instead, using the latter two first, 26 and 30, to move up into the teens. And today, the ringer put out one uh, such suggestion that I, I just did not like at all. And it's not necessarily because they, they, they put RJ Hampton and Precious Achua um, into play with Achua drifting back a little bit further than I expected to see um, and going to the Celtics at 17. And like, on one hand, I can see the value that they're looking for there. Um, and I'm not going to get into the, the potential uh, problems this will create in terms of contention. I think that's enough discussion right there uh, for the Celtics. But Precious as a prospect, um, he, he just – I can see a path to the NBA where he could be a very useful uh, player once he learns to develop at least some kind of a jump shot. And possibly even not, though I don't think he deserves a first-round pick in that if that's the outcome. But am I am I off base being nervous about Precious in terms of a potential Celtics prospect? Because he, he just needs so much work, and they don't really have time or space for him to do it. 
Yeah, Precious is uh, not the guy who who I would target if I'm if I'm Boston. Um, Precious is, I think, you know, we saw this when when Wiseman uh, ended up leaving the program. He's a more natural five than he is a four, and in that sense, he's probably a little undersized for the NBA level. Um, I think you could be an undersized five if you've got a jump shot. Uh, I don't think he's got one of those uh, at this point in his career. Uh, you know, really good rebounder. Uh, pretty versatile defender i would say um if i'm drafting for the front court in that range i much prefer jalen smith mm-hmm. um more productive shot blocker and more productive three-point shooter i i like jalen smith a lot i think he's being underrated a little bit i i mean i i think that you can find a front court for front court depth i think you could find a little bit of that in the second round even as well uh, with Xavier Tillman out of Michigan State, um, I think that he's you know a perfect character guy. Um, you know he's a father of two and married with uh, you know in college. You know as a college yeah. junior in college, and uh, you know he's got a lot of good playmaking skills for his position. Uh, one of the better playmaking guys out of the short roll um, than the pick and roll. Uh, so I think that Xavier Tillman stands out. Um, honestly, I actually like Vernon Carey a little bit more and Kelly and Tilly a little bit more than I like, uh, precious. Um, because I mean, Tilly shot 40% from three, all four years of college at Gonzaga. That's real. Um, definitely. And, and you could also probably use him as a draft and sash guy if you really wanted to, because he could make a decent amount of money in France. I mean, he's, he's got the passport, you know, he's a French citizen. Um, so he doesn't have a contract in France, but I don't think he would mind going over there for a year or so. And that way you don't necessarily have to roster him and you could still get value at the pick. Um, Vernon Carey, uh, is a, is a willing shooter as well. Uh, shot 38% from three last year for Duke. Um, Precious, I think is, is, is not the worst option for an NBA team. I think, you know, I could see why a team would draft him. I, I haven't, I think I haven't been the first round to either uh, Denver or Utah right now. Just, you know, teams looking for front court depth. And it is, it is Denver. Now that I think about it because uh, Denver's got a ton of potential free agents in the front court this off season. They've got, you know, several holes that they could be looking to fill with, uh, you know, guys, you know, potentially even in free agency, you've got Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and, no Bonley all set to become free agents this offseason in Denver. So that's why I have Precious there is I think he could, you know, be a stopgap guy in their front court. Um with uh I mean, dude, listen, Precious had a game where he put up 22 points and 22 rebounds and four blocks. Ooh. Um that was against Tulane, but he that did happen. Um he had a defensive rebound percentage uh, that ranked sixth best sixth best among all freshmen despite being six foot nine. Um so I I don't I don't hate Precious's game. Um, me neither. I just think it's a bad fit. It's not for me. Uh, if I'm the Celtics, uh, another guy that, um, I think if we're talking about guys who I'd avoid for me, it's actually Isaiah Stewart's, um, teammate, Jaden McDaniels. Yes. Um, he was a, he was a top 10 recruit coming out of high school. Uh, so in that sense, he might intrigue the Celtics. Um, but gosh, um, it's just a mess. I, I, yeah. every, every highlight reel I see of him, like he just crashing through people and those are the successes. Yeah. I mean, his, his turnover rate was bottom 25 among all high major freshmen. Um, he committed 4.3 fouls per 40 minutes, uh, which was bottom 20 among all high major freshmen as well. Uh, so he's turning the ball over on offense, fouling too much on defense. His, uh, his makeup isn't there right now. 
um, in a in a zero or a one on zero workout. Uh, people literally think he's the next Kevin Durant. People think he's some of the best, you know, some of the best talent you'll ever see. Um, but listen, I've, I've had scouts tell me that he will literally pout like a child if he doesn't get his way. I mean, I, yeah, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, he's young. He's a young guy, but I don't see that kind of attitude fitting well in with Boston's culture. I don't think they would tolerate that and they need to win next year. And he's a, he's a project. So um, I think that, you know, the same mentality of, Oh, he's a top recruit coming out of high school who struggled in college that brought me to Isaiah Stewart is the exact reason why I would also bring you away from uh, Jaden McDaniels. I, I don't like that fit uh, at all. I don't know if people have really mocked him there at all, um, but if they have, he's just somebody who I think, uh, I've seen him mock to Boston somewhere. I can't recall where, but I have. Seen yeah, him. that's that's probably that's a red flag. Uh, I have I have McDaniel's early second round uh, to Charlotte. Um, Charlotte, I think, would be great for him because first of all, his older brother plays there, so he'd feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, and two, they need they need home run swings. I mean, Charlotte's got so few uh, things going for them right now that Jaden McDaniel's, you know. On ball skills and six foot nine, that's uh, something you want to see. I mean, he's got a ton of potential, um, truly and sincerely. I mean, among the most potential in this class, I would say. Um, but it's better suited for a team like Charlotte, uh, where he could boom or bust, than uh, than Boston, where um, you know you you need to win next year, and he could be a potentially bad fit in the locker room. So. Again, with the, the trade-up scenarios, I've seen some where Boston uses it's like a Carson Edwards pick or something like that to get to 10 with two of their picks. Um, or, you know, there's the more aggressive one, which we can finish with. Um, but in terms of something that isn't trying to push you towards a low lottery or as close to the low lottery as you can really get, um, is there is there anyone who you think is likely to be in like that ten to thirteen range that would actually be worth making a trade up? Um, in terms of guys who I think will be there that fit that culture, yeah. If they really like Sadiq Bay, mm. um, if they really want, I mean, you know, Sadiq Bay. I think Sadiq Bay should be a starter in the NBA next year. Um, I'm a fan for certain teams. Yeah, I think that, yeah, the thing with Sadiq Bey is he, there are some people who do misinterpret him. He's not, he's not a star. Um, He's not gonna, he's not a Tyler hero, you know, he's, but he's gonna, he can step in, be a good defender for his size, six foot eight um, and a good shooter and, um, you know, good character guy, a good fit in the locker room, you know, low usage, which I think is big for Boston. So I think he might not be able to use his full potential with Boston. That's why that's why I wouldn't have them necessarily trading up for him. But you know, if you want uh, depth, you know, he's a great shooter. I think he's going to make an NBA level uh, impact uh, fairly soon. Uh, Tyrell Terry is a name that's getting a lot of buzz right now. Um, by me, even uh, I'm I'm, I'm a like fan him. of his game. Uh, yeah, I was a I was a lottery talent. I think he's the closest thing we have to to Steph Curry in this class, and to uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, where it's like. Okay, kind of a, you know, not a small school at Stanford, but kind of not a school necessarily known for basketball, um, but uh, really cerebral player, um, really, uh, I mean, 
you know, I, I was the one that broke the news that uh, there was an NBA team or actually several NBA teams use advantages for this test. But essentially the way it works is, um, you know, they give you a basketball IQ questions all strictly about, you know, your court vision, what the right read is, what the right call is. And they said that he got the highest score ever among on that, on that Proctor test. So in that sense, he's really good. Uh, an incredible free throw percentage suggests that he could be a 50, 40, 90 guy in the NBA, um, which also suggests, you know, when you've got a free throw percentage that great, it means your, 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 your form is good. You know, you've got a good shooting touch. And I think his three point touch is, is got to be up there uh, in terms of the best in his class. Uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Tyrell Terry. I interviewed him in terms of the one and done guys. I mean, God, he's got to be, you know, the most mature that we're, that we'll find. I mean, really self-aware, um, really, really, uh, I, I don't know if he's necessarily ready to step in and be, um, a contributor, you know, a, a full contributor right away, but he could be, uh, he's got a full body transformation. He's put on 20 pounds of muscle this off season. Um, he looks yeah, like I it's actually there too. I, I, in the, the it's pre- there. Yeah, he looked bigger, like noticeably bigger. He is, yeah, he is bigger. He looks sort of like a different guy, honestly. Um, so, I I like Tyrell Terry for them uh, in terms of guys that you could trade up for. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it's worth you know giving up assets, but um, Tyrell Terry does have you know top player in this draft type upside. Um, you know, and there's not that many guys I could say that about. You know, you, so that's that's kind of where I'm at with him in terms of guys you could realistically trade up for. Uh, I, I I would highlight him. I'd, I'd put his name there. And, um, you know, Desmond Bain, if you if you want shooting, is another guy. Uh, Desmond Bain's probably going to be next year's Tyler Hero, where it's like, how does he not go a little bit higher? Because he's just an unbelievable shooter um, and has succeeded as a shooter at every level. Um, so those are probably the guys that come to mind for me. And then... The big push. Uh, I've seen a lot of interest in Onyeka Okamu of USC, and I can see that. And I, I, I have been on the fence on whether this would be the right play before that, and I still kind of am leaning this way, would be to, if say, Killian Hayes uh, dropped to Detroit or New York's range, and we could convince them to, to uh, swap with us. Would it be worth it, in your opinion? Is there a person that's worth pushing that many picks forward, uh, considering that Boston won't be able to roster them all anyway? Yeah, I mean, considering that, I guess that's fair. You know, um, it's like it's like we'll just consider it to be a a luckier draw at the lottery. Uh, Anyeka, I've interviewed him. I really like him. Um, he, I don't know if he has the makings of a of a franchise star though. Um, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, a constant professional, even a Paul Millsap type, I guess. Uh, but Paul Millsap's got a little bit better shooting touch. Um, I don't see him as a, as a ever all-star type player. Um, I think that he's a little undersized for the big, doesn't have a great shooting touch yet. I think he's got some, but he's, you know, he's a, He's got, I think, a really good um, feel for the game. And I think that um, in terms of rotation pieces for Boston, I think he would be a fantastic addition. I think he would fit in really well there. I think they would like him. I think Brad Stevens would like him. I think Danny Ange would like him. Um, but I don't see him being the kind of player that, you know, 
when you talk about top draft prospects, you know, yeah. in Boston's history, uh, you hear, you know, or even recently, you know, this current front office. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you start saying Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Onyeka. Like, I don't think it's like that. I think that he's, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a consummate starter in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that you bring up in the, in the same sentence as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I, I, think I think there's that, some yeah. bad out of bio hangover. Yeah, listen, Bam Adebayo, that's not fair to Anyeka. Uh, he he likes it. I mean, he thinks it's cool. Um, but Bam Adebayo is a playmaker. Um, and Bam Adebayo is somebody who, uh, coming out of college, John Calipari had him work out as a guard uh, in team workouts. Not to be drafted as a guard, but to show teams that he had guard skills and on-ball skills. Anyeka doesn't do that. Um Onyeka might be the best uh, per, or uh, uh, post defender, best rim protector in this class. Um, really productive guy, but you know, I think if you had switched him to be on Washington and Isaiah Stewart to be on USC, I don't know if we'd still be talking about Onyeka the same way. If you know Onyeka was on the team that finished last in the Pac-12, um, so I mean. Uh, he's he has been a winner um multiple levels i mean he was on that same high school team as lonzo and Lamelo and langelo that won uh state the, the national title essentially his freshman year he won max preps uh co-freshman of the year with Lamelo ball his freshman year of high school uh he was a two-time winner of california mr basketball as well um but i don't know if he's got the makings of a future star and i don't know if he's got the makings of a future bam out of bio because bam out of bio as a little bit more of a playmaker than he is. What about Killian Hayes? I'm really big on his game. I see the warts that people are pointing out, the left-handed dominance. Uh, is is he the kind of player that you might regret making such an aggressive move for, uh, considering the context, or is he worthwhile for such a move? Uh, I like Killian Hayes. Um, I like him more on a team like Detroit and Phoenix maybe the Knicks uh, that need a starting point guard. Um, for some reason, they don't seem to want him. <laughs> it's very strange, but yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that there's, uh, you know, the, the lefty six foot five, you know, playmaker on ball or off ball, you know, there's, there's some James Harden there. Um, I think if it, when it's all said and done, you know, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Killian Hayes was the best player in this class. Um, he's number two on my big board uh, overall. Uh, the ringers cover on O'Connor as I'm at number one. Um, I like Killian Hayes quite a bit. I think that, you know, he's someone who can score in isolation or out of the pick and roll. Um, he's somebody who I think realistically uh, is a good shooter, you know, really good shooter, really great transition, pretty, pretty above average playmaker. Um, you know, has had really success in the, in the FIBA level uh, time and time again, you know, for the Euro championships, the world cups, Stuff like that. Uh, the, I think, uh, I think that if you're going to trade up, yeah, I'm, 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 I think Killian Hayes is a, is a fine, fine option to do that for. Um, the only hesitance I'd have is I think that someone like Detroit um, or New York or Phoenix, you know, seven, eight, and ten, right? Those guys, those teams all need a more. They all need a point guard more um, than Boston certainly does. Um, so that's that's where I stand with that. Is I don't know why they would trade that pick down if I'm either of those teams because I need that point guard even more than they do. 
And yet all three, well, not all three, but two of those three teams uh, have been connected to uh, proposals to trade back in the draft. I guess yeah. they think that they can find somebody equivalent or close to it and extract more value that Boston doesn't have room for, at least now. There's a lot of other ways they could get rid of those picks slash roster spots. I won't dive into that so for another day. But before I let you go, I know you have another pod coming up soon. Um, what other prospects, if any, do you think might be worthwhile for this? Or if you were Danny Ainge, what would you do? Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell me what you're looking for in terms of like what, uh, what skills you think Boston could use the most right now? And I could tell you, you know, who are some of those guys that fit the mold the most for me? Because you know, there's a ton of guys who I think are sleepers in this class, a ton of guys that I've talked to who I think are being overlooked. Um, I mean, I guess I could just give you a couple um well let me let me let me just say what my my, for me there's only one real need for boston long term and that's replacing kemba walker once he's gone they've got wings if gordon hayward walks in free agency it'll suck but they'll survive um their championship window won't be slammed shut but if they don't have a good point guard and we don't even know if kemba walker is going to be a good point guard for that much longer based on some of the the things we saw, uh, particularly in the postseason, uh, where he was basically schemed out of, of being a high-level competitor, I really feel like they need to find someone who at least has potential to be a point guard that can replace him. Doesn't necessarily have to. Maybe they can use him and someone else to get there later. But at very minimum, they need to find somebody who has the potential to be a starting point guard. Yeah, uh, Cassius Winston is probably probably my favorite in that in that category um, in terms of guys who are being really overlooked right now. Um, I think Cassius Winston uh, is is the real deal. Um, I think that he he's going to make somebody look really smart. Um, he shot forty three percent from three during all four of his college seasons, or during you know during a combined four his four college seasons. Um, his assist rate forty three percent as well, actually weirdly enough, uh, ranked sixth best among all college players since two thousand nine. So that's his career assist rate. Shot forty percent from three uh, off the dribble, off the catch, and coming off screens. Uh, really capable finisher out of the pick and roll. He's somebody who I think uh, you know is kind of being slept on. Uh, cause he was, he's a senior. Um, but I, I like him a lot. Um, if for some reason Malachi Flynn starts to fall, the Celtics should probably be all over that. Um, Flynn led the nation in wind shares last season. Um, you know, highest wind shares guy in NCAA, you know, for comparison of leader wind shares the year before that was Zion Williamson, 17.6 points, 4.5 rebounds, 5.1 assists per game. His box plus minus and top hundred games was the best in the NCAA. Um, he led the Mountain West Conference in assists, assists per game, and assist percentage. But he was also not only the Mountain West Player of the Year, but also the Defensive Player of the Year last season. Um, so six foot two, but he certainly compensates uh, for his size with you know winning Defensive Player of the Year in his conference and uh, best pick and roll pl- pick and roll passer in this class, in my opinion. Nice. Uh, most prolific and most productive pick and roll passer. Uh, so, uh, in terms of point guards uh, Mal- that, that aren't really necessarily being discussed as often, uh, I would say Cassius Winston, Malachi Flynn. You know, a little bit lower down. You know, some of the seniors that I would look at would definitely be uh, Skylar Mays and Peyton Pritchard. And uh, you know, I think that maybe Jalen Harris is a potential sleeper if you consider him a guard. Draft and stash, maybe maybe Yamadar Rokas. Uh, Joko Bidas uh, from Lithuania. 
um, is having a really, really nice season right now. He's a younger guy, but uh, it's having a really great season as a guard in Lithuania for Zilgiris. Um, I've been very, very impressed with his game. Um, he's somebody that should probably be on guys' radars, at least as a second-round draft and stash guy. So that's kind of – in terms of primary ball handlers, those are the guys that come to mind, at least off top. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm big on Devon Dotson. Oh, um, me, too. me too. I think that, you know, Kansas had an incredible defense two years in a row, largely because of him. Um, I think that, you know, he played a huge role in that with, you know, with that offense, with that offense as well. I mean, they were a very productive offense and he is a very capable floor, floor general. Um, he's probably besides Kyra Lewis, the fastest player in this class, um, yep. you know, end to end speed. And I think he's ripped, man. He's, he's looking a lot bigger. You know, he's, uh, he's somebody I think people are being slept on. I think he'll have to, I think that, realistically he'll be a first round pick i think flynn will be a first round pick as well so in terms of second round picks guys to be i think i think catches winston peyton pritchard like i said peyton pritchard went to westland high school in portland um westland had never won a state title before he got there haven't won a state title since they won all four the four years he was there he's a winner um you know everybody around peyton pritchard always says that he's uh he's the guy who you know probably is the best work ethic right in this class in terms of guys who've just pushed himself to be better and better and better year after year. So that comes to mind. Sweet. Before I let you go, is there anything that you're working on that you want to plug? Yeah, man, listen to, or uh, check out Celtics wire, you know, check out all the, uh, all the USA today, sports media group sites, you know, rookie wire is where you can find my big boards and my mock drafts. Hoops type is where you can find my interviews with um, all of the prospects that I've spoken to. I've got, 19 published so far and you know that includes plenty of the guys that we've talked about on this pod um you know, on yeah i've interviewed tyrell harry i've interviewed Isaiah stewart cassius winston those are those are some names that i've talked to so far and then i've got 18 more coming between now and the draft uh, so kyra lewis aaron smith sadiq bay uh, xavier tillman devin dodson uh peyton pritchard you know guys that we talked about as well um those are all coming out at some point if you want to check out one interview in particular, uh, this guy is sort of a fringe draft prospect. Somebody that I like a lot, though, Trevlin Queen out of New Mexico State. He specifically mentioned wanting to play for the Celtics and you know being a lifelong Celtics fan in my interview. So, for Celtics perspective, I would I would check out the the Trevlin Queen interview that I did. Um, if you type in Trevlin Queen uh, hoops hype, um, he talks about you know being homeless and playing in junior college and being kicked out of school and. All sorts of crazy stories like that. Um, that was probably the most insightful interview that I did in terms of someone's uh, persona. Um, very Jimmy he, Butler uh, he was very helpful in that. What's that? Very Jimmy Butler sounding. Yeah, yeah, yes. He definitely, uh, he definitely sees that comparison as well. And I think that uh, he's probably uh, <laughs> the closest thing we've got to Jimmy Butler in this class, whatever that might mean. All right. Well, you can find the pod on most podcatcher apps. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars. If you don't like something or have a suggestion, just let us know with a comment on Twitter with the hashtag CLPOD. We're always trying to bring you the deepest dives to Celtics coverage, and hopefully today we accomplish that. Thanks, y'all. Take care.